guys. Uh, what we're going to do now, I'm going to uh, start our sermon time with a, uh, about five minutes or so of just prayer. So if we could kind of continue in, uh, in prayer and are directing our thoughts to uh, appealing to and worshiping God. Amen. Father, we, uh, we're so thankful to be able to come and worship you today. Thank you for the new year. Thank you for this family that you've given us. Uh, thank you for your spirit, which I'm so excited to learn uh, more about as we study the book of Acts. Uh, thank you for your spirit, which is in us. Uh, Father, I pray that uh, we will be a people that will not be described uh, by in any individual personalities, but Father, that we will be a people filled with your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that as we study the book of Acts, that we will be reminded of who you are as our God, who the Spirit is who is in us and working amongst us, who Jesus is as his ministry uh, continues, uh, continued into the book of Acts and obviously continues today. Father, that we will fan into flame the Spirit that is within us, that through the study of your word, through the community that we have together here in our relationships, through our prayers, collectively and individually, um, Father, through the power of your word, that your spirit will uh, be alive in us, that we will be receptive and humble and open to the promptings of your spirit. God, as he uh, emboldened, emboldens us to, to ministry, to leadership, to uh, evangelism, to togetherness, Father, that uh, we will be reminded of who we are uh, to be. Father, I pray, um, as Jesus said in John 14, that uh, because you are with the Father in heaven, that we, uh, as your family, will do even greater things. Father, help us to see uh, you through, um, through the study, through our lives, through what you do in and around our church. Uh, Father, we look to see you, and we want to be in awe and glorify you with all that you do. Father, I pray that um, we can be a people like uh, as the Pharisees saw Peter and John and as they saw their boldness. And they took note that they, though ordinary and unschooled men, they took note that they had been with Jesus. Father, I pray that our neighbors, our co-workers, our family members uh, will see uh, our boldness and will know that it's not about us, but Father, that it's about your spirit, that we have, we have been with you, we've been with Jesus. Your Spirit is alive and active in us, and, and therefore we will glorify you. Father, be with us as we study the book of Acts. Be with our minds. Help us to be thinkers. Help us to be people who ask questions and take seriously your word. Be with our hearts. Help us to be soft-hearted, easily convicted, easily inspired, uh, a people that are, are open and humble, not proving what we already know, but eager to learn uh, new things, or maybe we've learned them uh, before, but we need to be reminded, uh, drawn back to our minds, uh, these truths and these principles. Uh, be with our spirits uh, and be with our actions. Father, help us to see that uh, Jesus was not just a man of beliefs or thoughts or ideas, but he was a man of action. And your spirit is a spirit of action, and that we will be a people uh, of action. God, we love you. And we dedicate uh, this time to you and pray that your spirit will move powerfully amongst us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. 
Awesome. How you guys doing? Let's open our Bible, not to the book of Acts, but to the book of 2 Timothy. But we are starting our sermon series today in the book of Acts, and I'm very fired up about this sermon series. Um, I would recommend uh, for you coming to church that you read uh, the next section of the book of Acts. It's not going to be complicated. We're kind of going to pick up where we left off last time. So today we're going to cover uh, probably around the first eight verses of the book of Acts. So come, in, come next week having read ahead, uh, having had your own thoughts and uh, thinking and questions about, about those texts. If you want an outside book to purchase and buy and do some deeper study, I would recommend uh, The Message of Acts by John R. W. Stott. Um, and this is an excellent commentary, uh, one that we'll be uh, working out of a lot through our sermon series, amongst others. Um, but I want to ask as a question, this is a good question to ask as we study a book of the Bible, as we study a passage of uh, Scripture. What would be missing from our understanding of God if we didn't have the book of Acts? So if we didn't have this book, what would, what would we be missing? What would we not have been given uh, without this? Any, any thoughts on this that jumped to mind? Jesse. So the picture of, of the, the first century church, so you're like what it was, what it looked like, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? We wouldn't have this glorious snapshot of the first 30 years of the church. Excellent. Okay, application to the teachings of Jesus. That's right, awesome. So what is it? So we saw Jesus do it, but what does it mean now that he left? What are we supposed to do? Okay, excellent. Eli. So there's hints of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Uh, Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit really does not come upon and in uh, until the book of Acts. So what is that? What does that look like? What does that mean? Absolutely. Young man in the back. Kenneth Ivan. Okay. So the people, the acts of the people and acts of the apostles, like what, what, what did the people do? Is that what you're saying? So this is a good question to ask. So when you study your Bible, okay, it's important that Okay, this isn't in a sermon, but when you study your Bible, it's important that you not just, oh, coffee, mm. are you still so dull? Yeah, I am. Okay, that's my quiet time for today. <laughs> Got that one. I'm obeying that. I'm dull. Okay, engage your mind. The Bible is so rich, but it takes a mind that is active. You don't need to be a theologian. You don't need to be a PhD, whatever. Matter of fact, you may be able to read the Bible better without those things. But you do need to have your mind engaged. And the best way to do is ask questions. And that's a good question to ask. What would we not have if we didn't have this, this passage of Scripture? That's a good uh, inkling in leading to what is the purpose, what is the theme, okay? So why do we, why do we want to study the book of Acts? First of all, we find as a church and as a Christian a lot of times, but especially as a church, we find our identity. This is the book of Acts is where we find 
our identity. Who are we as a church? The book of Acts is history from 33 AD to about 60 AD. It's the history of the people of God, the beginning of the New Testament church. There's no other book like it in the New Testament. Um, the, the, let, the rest of the New Testament are epistles. They're letters from apostles to churches or to individuals, largely. Okay, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is about Jesus. So this was before 33 AD. Okay, so the New Covenant comes. This first 30 years of the church is the book of Acts. Amen? Okay, so this is our family. It's kind of like our family history. You guys like to go back in the old, the old uh, uh, picture books or whatever, photo albums and see grandma and grandpa or mom and dad when they were. So this is our grandpa and grand. These are our grandparents in the faith. This was the first church, uh, the, the first uh, uh, new covenant people of God. Okay, that's our family. It is, secondly, our foundation as a church. Our foundation is found largely here in the book of Acts. Jesus is the, the, the chief cornerstone, and then the rest of the foundation, we see uh, the apostles and prophets, the book of Acts. So our doctrines, what we believe as a church, is what's taught in the book of Acts. Our core values, what did the church value? How did, what, did they, what, did they, uh, what was important to them? That's what's important to us. And even some of, a lot of their practices, um, this, is what, this is why we do what we do. Amen? So we're not... Uh, this church is not a Methodist church, not a Baptist church. It's not a, uh, we're not trying to do uh, newfangled ideas of the latest and greatest ways to do church. I know, let's have coffee shop in church. Let's do movie church. Let's do multiple location. We're not trying to be that kind of church. No, God bless them. Okay, there's good things. We're just trying to be the church like the book of Acts. Okay, amen? We're trying to go back to the basics. Go back to the church that Jesus built, all right? Because over 2,000 years, that changed quite a bit. Maybe you've noticed. I know I sure have. And so our vision, our foundation, our core values, our core doctrines, our core practices are not something we made up, but something we're drawing out largely from the book of Acts. Amen? And our future, our future, our family, our foundation, and our future, our vision as a church, is to send, sending New Testament churches. Amen? We don't want to be a church that just hoards here. We want to send disciples. Amen? That's what the church in the book of Acts did. They were sending all over the world. But we don't want to just send pockets of churches. We want to send sending churches. So the seed of sending is in the sender and in the sendee. Does that make sense? So we were able to send, as a church, Mike and Lisa Winholes to Duluth, and Leon Morgan and Kenzie, and they were able to build up the church. We're not just sending them to Duluth, we're sending senders. So the Duluth church will expand and grow like we see in the book of Acts, and then they'll spread out. Amen? Isn't that exciting? It's exciting. It's an adventure. That's our, this is also our vision. So why study the book of Acts? We need to go back to who we are. And then we need to be ourselves. Amen? I told David as he was coming up here, get up there, do the welcome, and be yourself. Amen? Okay. We want to be ourselves. 
That's why we're going to study the book of Acts. But secondly, the book of Acts is our identity, but it's also our fire. Our fire. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Paul writes this to Timothy, but the principle is true, I think, of all Christians and all churches. 2 Timothy 1, verse 6, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. And they've wondered, should they capitalize the Spirit as the Holy Spirit, or just kind of the Spirit of, small s? I'd say, it doesn't matter, because the Spirit should be our Spirit. Amen? And is the Holy Spirit timid and weak and out of control? Absolutely not. The Holy Spirit is a Spirit who is powerful, is incredibly love and bold, and self-controlled. Amen? And so Paul says to Timothy, dude, you've grown dull, you've grown tired, you've grown weak. This is what happens to humanity. We may start out fired up, but then we can grow, right? And he says, the answer is to fan into flame the Spirit. And I believe us as individuals and us as a church, all the time, we need to be fanning into flame the gift that God's given us. Amen? So this study, why we're studying it, and why we're going to take the time is because we need to fan into flame the Holy Spirit of God in us. All right, let's go now to the book of Acts, chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote all about, excuse me, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach till the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. One occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times and dates. The Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let's talk about who wrote the book of Acts. We know that the Holy Spirit wrote the book of Acts, but through whom did he write it? Anyone know? Luke, yes. Luke, the traveling companion of Paul, wrote the book of Acts. Any other guesses on what other book Luke wrote? Man, you guys are on it. You're not no ordinary unschooled people. You are all over. Yes, Luke wrote 
a two-volume set, the book of Luke and the book of Acts. And the book of Luke was about the earthly ministry of Jesus. But it's really cool right here in verse, uh, verse 1. It says, I wrote all about that Jesus began to do and teach. What he's saying is that this book is about all that Jesus continues to do and teach. He's not on the earth anymore, but does that mean he has gone into his recliner and is just watching movies from now, from then, until he comes back? No way. Jesus is absolutely alive and king and ruling and executing his ministry. Amen? Is he still doing that today? Amen. That's what we are. We are the ministry of Jesus. This is his church. This is his family. It's his mission, his ministry, his calling, etc., etc. Um, that's pretty cool. Already, I feel emboldened. And by the way, that's one of the themes we're going to be drawing back for the next five, six months. We're going to be drawing back to boldness. Boldness, one of the fruits of the Spirit that we see all through the book of Acts. Um, this isn't our, Jesus is not, Jesus is alive. He is with us. He is amongst us. That ought to already get a little perk in our, our step to be bold. Amen? Luke's the traveling companion of Paul. Who is Luke? He's a doctor, or he was a doctor. Um, and in, in doctors in that day, and I probably could assume today as well, they're fairly intelligent. Uh, they, Luke was very intelligent had a very uh, high grasp on the Greek language. His, his style of Greek is a high level of Greek. Uh, his observation skills uh, are all over the place. Uh, he was not only a doctor, though. He was a historian. He was a theologian. And he was a diplomat. He was one of, this is one of the purposes of the book of Acts, is to communicate to the Roman officials that Christianity is not something that you need to be afraid of. And he does that in multiple ways. He shows that the Roman officials were friendly toward Christianity. It's actually the Jewish ruling leaders that were opposed to Christianity. But the Romans were always like, we don't find much going on here. As a matter of fact, many Roman officials became Christians. Um, and Luke was trying to make that point. Uh, so, uh, but I want to say a word or two about Luke as a historian. Uh, Sir William Ramsey, who was actually... He was a historian, but he was a, a started out as a critic of the scriptures through his research, through his history research uh, about the Greco-Roman culture at that time, uh, compared with the book of Acts, uh, came to the completely, his research completely changed his mind as to the historic authenticity of the book of Acts. He said, matter of fact, that he placed the author of Acts among, quote, the historians of the first rank. So even non-believing critics place Luke as an incredible historian. Amen? What should that do for us? Increase our confidence that the book of Luke isn't just something that Christians manufactured and came up with uh, to, pro to promote our own faith. Even the critics, the non-believers, view this as this is real stuff. This is incredibly accurate. Uh, A.N. Sherwin-White, reader in ancient history at Oxford 
university. I don't know, Oxford is a fairly uh, reputable school. Maybe even a little tougher than UW-Eau Claire to get into. Maybe. No offense. Okay, uh, obviously this dude is, who's a, a professor at Oxford, you know, fairly intelligent, uh, says this. He says, uh, and he is a, a, did I tell you what he is? A professional Greco-Roman historian. So this is what he does. He says this uh, about the book of Acts. The historical framework is exact. In terms of time and place, the details are precise and correct. One walks the streets and marketplaces, the theaters and assemblies of first century Ephesus, or Thessalonica, Corinth, or Philippi, with the author of Acts. The great men of the cities, the magistrates, the mob, the mob leader are all there. It is similar with the narrative of Paul's judicial experiences before the tribunals of Gallio, Felix, and Festus. As documents, these narratives belong to the same historical series as the record of provincial imperial trials in epigraphical and literary sources of the first and early second centuries A.D. What does all that mean? I'll tell you. Here's this conclusion. Quote, For Acts, the confirmation of historicity is overwhelming. Any attempt to reject its basic historicity, even in matters of detail, must now appear absurd. Roman historians have long taken it for granted. What does all that mean? That means that this, the book of Acts has got it going on. That's what it means. <laughs> the book of Acts is lit, okay? Am I speaking your language now? Okay, it's wet. Some of you old people don't understand that language, but I do. No, no you don't? Okay, what he's saying is that um, this thing is incredibly accurate and historic and from all sides, uh, when tested, proven out as true. Just like the Bible always does. Amen. Critics, historians, they attack it from every angle for 2,000 years. Oh, this isn't real. This isn't, this is John. This is made up. The, every time they've been shown out wrong and thus revealed their real agenda for attacking the Bible isn't uh, true, it's because to justify their own sinful lifestyle. Amen. Okay. Um, that's the author of the book of Luke, the recipient, Theophilus. You know, we don't really know who Theophilus is. People have tried to kind of figure that out. Um, probably a specific Roman official who heard anti-Christian slanders. Probably. And so Luke is writing to just say, hey, here is a detailed account of what really is going on with Jesus and with the church. Okay? Um, okay, uh, let's see. All that Jesus began to do and teach until he was taken up. So we talked about this. The book of Luke is about Jesus' earthly ministry, which I would go and recommend you reading the introduction to the book of Luke, and you'll find good stuff that carries over into the book of Acts. The book of Acts is Jesus' uh, heavenly ministry, all that Jesus continued to do and teach by the Holy Spirit through the apostles. Amen? So what should the title of this book be? Uh, you know, the, the text is, is uh, uh, from the Holy Spirit, absolutely what we believe. But the titles are not uh, uh, inspired. So my title and my 
84 NIV says Acts. Do any of you got a title in there that's different than just Acts? Eli, what's it say? The Acts of the Apostles. So from about the second century till about the 18th century, the title, the kind of the given accepted title was the Acts of the Apostles, and certainly it is. Peter and John, 1 through 12. James, chapter 15, the Apostle Paul, obviously, uh, chapter 13 through 28, but not just the Apostles, Barnabas, Stephen, Philip, etc. We see these uh, leaders, um, but, if, but what were really the Apostles empowered by? What, what really is this book a book about? The Holy Spirit, right? So in about the 18th century, they started titling it Acts of the Holy Spirit. And we see the promise of the Spirit, the gift, the outpouring, the baptism, the fullness, the power, the witness, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Yet, the Holy Spirit worked through whom? He worked through the people, right? So what John Stott says, he says, though admittedly cumbersome, this book could be entitled the continuing words and deeds of Jesus by the Holy Spirit through his apostles. Uh, how about that for a title? But there's a lot in a title, okay? And I like it. I like it because it, if it's just the apostles, we can get overly humanistic. If it's just the Spirit, we can get overly ooey-gooey, uh, whoa, Spirit things. But it's the Jesus and the words of Jesus by the Spirit through the people. Amen? And the proper balance thereof. Okay. Um, I'm going to finish up here with uh, the foundation of the apostles that we get out of this, uh, these first eight verses. First of all, Jesus chose the apostles. Jesus chose the apostles. It says, and verse 2, until the day taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen. Jesus chose these guys. Okay, They were hand-picked. They were unschooled and ordinary, but they were created for a purpose. Jesus called them, and he was with them so that he might send them, send them out to preach. Now, I believe that this principle applies to every one of us sitting in this room, that you are called by God for a specific purpose, that you were created by God and that Jesus desires to choose you and calls you. But I don't believe that just because Jesus calls us means that we always answer. When everyone calls you, do you always answer your phone? Sometimes that red button slides across the screen, doesn't it? Because you don't really want to talk at this time. Okay? God bless voicemail. Okay? And just like that, when God calls us, sometimes we don't want to talk to God. We say, mm, no, thank you. Busy. Right? But know that Jesus is calling and Jesus has chosen you. God has a specific purpose for them. They were to the apostolic ministry. We're not called to be apostles, but what does apostle mean? Anybody know what does the word apostle mean? It means messenger. Are you and I called to be messengers? Absolutely we are. So we are called to a messaging, messenger ministry. God has a purpose for you and he has a purpose for us. Our church has a calling. We are chosen. We are knit together 
Every one of the parts of our churches, our church is, is, is built for a reason. And we are called to be together and through which to have a message for our world. Secondly, Jesus showed himself, verse 3, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men. Jesus showed himself to them 40 days, many convincing proofs that he was alive. God wants to be known. God wants to be known. Jesus didn't rise from the dead and go into hiding because he needed some cave time. <laughs> he, he showed himself. He said, guys, I want to be with you. I want to be together. God is revealing himself to us. Amen? Through his creation and through his word, God wants to be known by you. Are you seeking him? Do you want to know him? If you want to know him and you seek him through study and through prayer, God will show himself. Did you, did you hear that? The God of the universe will show himself to you. Wow. Never lose our awe of that. What does he care? Why would he care about us? Because he loves us. He wants to be one with us, just like Jesus showed himself. Jesus then commanded and commissioned them. Jesus is a king. Jesus does, rarely offers suggestions. Hey, guys, you know, I've been thinking, you may want to think about hanging out in Jerusalem till you get the Holy Spirit, because I don't know, it would be my advice, because I don't want to hurt any feelings. It would be my advice for you to just Stick around, because I don't know, if you try this without the Spirit, I don't know, you may have to learn the hard way. Are we okay with Jesus commanding? So when Jesus gives a command, what ought we do? Obey it. Well, I don't feel like it. I sometimes think that Jesus may not really even care. <laughs> he probably cares, but... He doesn't care to the point that that stops us from doing what he said. Do what I said. I'm the king. Okay? Do what I say. Sometimes it can be really deep and complicated, and sometimes it can be really simple. Jesus said, guys, stay in Jerusalem. Now, if one of those guys said, mm, nah, I'm going to go on up. I'm just going to start this without the Spirit. I don't think they'd make it much in the book of Acts. Right? Okay. Jesus commanded and he commissioned them. Uh, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. In other words, he's like, guys, I've called you, I've gifted you, I've showed myself to you, but it's not for you. It's so you can then go and do others. Are you a Christian just for you? Or are you a Christian because you know that God's going to work through you for others? All right? As a church, do we exist so we can just gather together on a Sunday morning and feel warm and fuzzy, and get an entertaining message, and we can get parenting help, and marriage help, and it's all about us, us, us. Is that us? If that's us, then we're not the book of Acts, and we're not going to be the church for very long. Let this not be us. Amen? Jesus promised, lastly, the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, uh, he called them, he chose them, he showed himself to them, he commanded and commissioned them, but then he promised them, I'm going to give you the Spirit, I'm going to give you my Spirit, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to give you whatever you need to get the job done. That's what you're going to get. The Holy Spirit will do that for you. And what was the result? 
The result in one case was here in Acts chapter 4, 13. Now again, remember, think of the apostles when Jesus before the Spirit. What were they? Full of doubt and fear and questioning and grumbling and arguing. And was there some of that? Of course there's some of that ongoing. But listen to this, Acts 4, verse 13. When they saw the courage, Peter and John, and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. The Holy Spirit in them was what... Jesus in them was what the people around them saw. Like, I know who they are, and they're not acting who I thought they were. Ordinary to emboldened. And may that be our theme uh, for the year and for this sermon series, ordinary to emboldened, all of us filled with the Spirit's power. Amen? Let's fan into flame the gift of God that is in us. Let's do even greater things. John 14, Jesus said, I'm going to go, but I'm going to give you the Spirit, and you're going to do even greater things. And when the world sees our boldness, their only conclusion will be, not that Chippewa Valley Church, that's pretty cool. No, no, no. Their only conclusion will be that we have been with Jesus and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Next week, the rest of chapter 1, probably. Okay?